This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello there. Welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. Kids have an uncanny knack for knowing the exact combination of actions necessary to drive their siblings and parents to their knees. Whether they delight in asking why ad nauseum or relish in the hysteria they can provoke in their sister with an imperceptible glance or thrill at the nightly pre-bath chase, our kids know exactly how to push our buttons. Faced with similar scenarios, a lot of parents resort to yelling or giving in, but it turns out that these responses only make this irritating behavior worse. That's why some experts including our guest for this part of today's show, are suggesting a seemingly unconventional yet rather remarkable approach. And that is to do what our kids do when we hate it when they do it, which is ignore it, or at least selectively. That's something that my guest suggests not only relieves parents from nagging, but also allows kids to actually learn from their mistakes. Better yet, when kids receive no attention or reward for misbehavior, they often realize their ways of acting are ineffective, and they stop doing it. I'm Armin Brat. We'll start talking about the benefits of ignoring stuff when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brat, after this. From the MrDad.com radio network. Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? Uh, what? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat. My guest for this part of today's show is Catherine Perlman, who's the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Can Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. Catherine, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Ignore it. I mean, it, it seems so simple, and it, but it's in a way. I, I was thinking about this as I was reading the book. I think you know this is exactly what we tell our kids not to do. So, but we're we're going to be ignoring them in a way. Is that okay? Well, the thing is, we're not really ignoring them. I, I like to say we're selectively ignoring them. We're actually listening to them. So we're responding to them as we normally would. But when they're whining, tantruming, complaining. The reason that they're generally doing it is because they want our attention. They want some benefit or reward from their behavior, and very often they get it. And even if it's negative attention, that's still sometimes enough of a benefit where the kid just wants to push our buttons. And so when we ignore that behavior 
after we've attended them and they continue to whine and complain, then we ignore it, but we're listening, and as soon as they stop doing it, then we can re-engage them right away. So we're just basically saying that we're not going to engage with that behavior, but as soon as you change your behavior, we're back again. Okay, and do you actually say that at some point? Because um, I think you know, some kids, are, you know, some kids are going to be pretty, pretty quick on the uptake, and they're going to say, "Look, why aren't you responding to me? I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at you. I'm doing something. How come you're not paying any attention to me?" I think for some kids, you could say, "I'm ignoring you," but then after that, you have to really ignore them because they're continuing. <laughs> they will continue to try and get you to respond. I mean, it actually can get almost funny when kids really try to provoke us. What will they'll come up with? But once they know that. If nothing's coming, they'll stop their behavior. And, and it only takes a couple of times. So it's like a kid will decide, like, why would I tantrum if nothing comes? You know, if I'm not going to get an extra cookie or I'm not going to get more time on the television or whatever, then there's no point to it. I might as well be decent, and then I'm more likely to, you know, have a nice time with my parents. So um, they learn pretty quickly. So, yeah, I might just say I'm ignoring you. Um, and even with my kids, sometimes I, I, I say that. Um, and then I turn around. But then as soon as they're done complaining, then I'm back in. <laughs> okay. So how do you begin to do this? Because presumably so, most of us have not been doing this up until this point. Right. And as you were saying in the beginning, like it's actually really hard. It sounds so simple. I'm just going to ignore them and the behavior is going to get better. Except when someone's yelling at us or someone's pushing our buttons, our instinct is to respond. We want to let our kids know why it's not okay for them to say what they're saying. But the thing is, they already know it's not okay for them to say what they're saying. They're saying it because they're trying to get a rise out of us. And then when we give it to them, it's working, like, perfectly. So the first thing I, I recommend for parents is to really think about what their triggers are, what the hardest times of day are, you know, what are the moments where they're really struggling with their kids, and think about those times in advance. Because what I'm struggling with may not be difficult for you or vice versa. Um, and then you'll be better prepared to ignore those things when it happens. So if mealtimes is a real struggle, then that's the time that you know you're going to be ignoring a lot. And so you can be prepared and think about it in advance. Um, if you have a teen who's, you know, really complainer or likes to push your buttons to get at you, you know, you'll think about that. But um, so I would say, you know, know ahead of time what your triggers are and how, how can you tell yourself when you're starting to ramp up, you know, when you're, you're starting to get upset or starting to get annoyed or, or how can you tell? And we all have our own signs, and I think that can help parents not engage, which, again, like goes against our instincts. So knowing about it ahead of time can be really helpful. Okay. Give us an example of a, a situation where this might come in handy. Um, so, for example, there are some kids that want to negotiate everything. Um, and so can I have four carrots? No, you have to eat, you know, five. Well, but I want four, you know, on and on. with it. Can I have four stories? No, just three. Can I have more of whatever it is? So they ask, and you always answer them. But after that, you've already answered them, and you've explained why. You can ignore everything else. The answer is still going to be no. The kid continues to try and negotiate because even if it's one time out of ten, it's like it may get what they want. It's motivating. So um, after they've asked for something, you've said no. They said why. You say, you know, we can't have a cookie because dinner's in 15 minutes. That's it. You're done. Now you can start ignoring. And the kid will continue to try. And sometimes they'll even get worse because they'll be like, wait a minute, this usually works. They usually get a lot of attention or I usually get a cookie from my mom um, when it's not working. Um, or dad, you know, usually responds right away with a lecture or whatever it may be. You know, then they realize nothing's coming. They'll be like, okay, I might as well not bother. It's over. Like the discussion's over. It just seems remarkably simple. Does it work? I mean, really in that way? You that know quickly? what? It, it is so simple but it's been well researched not by me um but over the years it's um, a concept from behavioral psychology called extinction 
It works in animals. It works in young children. It works in teens. Because really, behavior that has a benefit or reward is likely to be repeated. And behavior that doesn't is likely to go away. And so kids are very quick to learn. Even two-year-olds can know how to kind of work the system to get a little bit more TV time, to get an extra dessert, you know, to get out of eating something that's unpleasant to them. You know, it, their behavior generally works, and that's why they do it. And even, like, a working can be, like, getting something they want or getting out of something they want or even just getting attention. Imagine you have a new sibling and, you know, you're trying to get a little attention for yourself. It's very effective. So when we withdraw our attention, it works. Most of the time, kids will not bother with that behavior. Now, a toddler, a teenager, you know, there are some age-appropriate behaviors. A toddler is going gonna, is gonna to tantrum. But with ignore it, they're going to tantrum less often, and when they do have a tantrum, it's going to be much shorter. They're angry, they're frustrated, they want you to know it, but when nothing comes of it, they're going to let it go, and they're going to move on. Now, how about with a teenager? Those are much more difficult creatures, although they're very similar to toddlers in a lot of ways. They are very similar to toddlers, but the difference is that we expect that behavior from toddlers, but teenagers, we expect them to be more appropriate. We expect them to be kinder, to be more thoughtful, um, to not push our buttons as much. But teenagers, like toddlers, they they want more independence than they can actually have, or they want more um, say in their world. And sometimes they want to have a later cookie, but it's not a, it's just, it's a no, you know. Or they want to have a sleepover with all their friends, but there's no parents home. It's it's going to be a no, and they're very frustrated, and they want you to know it. And if they're going to be upset, they want you to be upset. So there's a constant power struggle, and that's part of why parents are like, oh, man, being a parent to teenagers is so difficult, partly because it's, it's an emotional power struggle. It's not the behavior or like a tantrum in Target. It's, it's like pushing mom and dad's emotional buttons, and it can be really difficult. So ignore it actually helps parents and their teenagers work on their relationship because they disengage in all the power struggles. None of that matters. But then when the kid is not engaging in power struggle, we have now, we can build and work on our relationships so we have a lot more power um, and a lot more time together. And the other thing is when we pay more attention to the behaviors we want to see more often, we tend to see those behaviors happen more often because kids are like, wow, my mom really noticed when I did a good job with the dishwasher. Like, maybe I should do that more often. Or, you know, dad really liked the way I sat and did my homework quietly. And so he, he let me know that, and that mm-hmm. was really nice. So, um kids are incredibly motivated by that stuff. And well, so there is, at the same time, we're not just doing this ignoring thing all the time. You're also still trying to do positive and negative reinforcement as a preventative measure. Absolutely. I mean, as much as we can prevent by, you know, feeding our kids on time, getting them on a good sleep schedule so they're not overtired, you know, working with their temperament will definitely help. And then we absolutely want to shower our attention when they do even small things. And a lot of times parents say, like, well, why do I have to reward them for doing what they should be doing? Well, life is full of a lot of naturally occurring rewards. If I do, you know, a good job at work, my boss will notice and tell me I did a good job, and that'll feel great, and then I'll get a raise, and that feels even better. Um, that's life. And so we should really recognize when our kids do something. Sometimes that can be, you know, a high five, pat on the back, or even just some nice words. And sometimes for kids that are a little bit, you know, more resistant or, or struggling a bit more, then it might be actually points to build up rewards to get stuff that they want. Um, but absolutely, this ignored is not an opportunity for us to stop parenting. It's just to really temporarily ignore some of the unpleasant behavior and focus more on our positive energy. Now, what about timeouts? I know there's, there's a lot of controversy these days about whether timeouts are effective, whether they aren't effective, and what you do during timeouts. What, where do these fit into the ignore it philosophy. Actually, timeout is really ignore it in action. It, what it's supposed to be 
is a momentary break from reward and benefit for their behavior. So no attention, and we're supposed to withdraw our attention. But often what happens is parents see it as a punishment, and they want the kid to feel punished. Um, or they keep the kids in there for too long, so a 7-year-old they think should be in 7 minutes. But the 7-year-old in 7 minutes is going to get in more trouble, and it's just more of a problem. Or the kid won't sit where they need to sit. And so for, you know, 20 minutes, the parents are running around after a toddler to try and get him to sit in timeout. And that's nothing is more fun for that toddler. And it kind of defeats the purpose of the timeout. So really timeout should just be a momentary break, enough time for the kid to stop the behavior, and then we re-engage them. And the average time for timeout, no matter what the age is, is about two to four minutes. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Catherine Perlman, who's the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Can Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will keep talking to Catherine. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to ditch the car and start rollerblading to work. I look ridiculous. You look ridiculous! You don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your organs on the black market. Lie back. This is gonna hurt. Yeah, that hurts. You don't need to rent out your apartment to drifters. I made a fire with the wood in your bedroom. That's my dresser! And your closet door. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times, when we were more active and ate more healthy foods, and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. If you're just joining us, talking with Catherine Perlman, the author of Ignore It, and want to get into some of the things that are further on in the book about impediments to success. What are some of those that you see, the, the things that are getting in the way of, of kids behaving the way that they really know that they should and that we're just not quite able to get them pointed in the right direction? So there are a couple of things. Uh, sometimes parents aren't on the same page, um, whether they're married or divorced. Um, having parents who kind of parent so drastically differently on, you know, important areas can help the kids use one parent against the other and kind of work the system. So parents should not have to be on the same page all the time. My husband and I certainly have different personalities, and we don't parent the same way all the time. And I actually think that works out nicely. But there are certain non-negotiables that we are always on, on the same page with. Or if I 
say something or he says something, I back him up. But, you know, maybe later we have a discussion about it if we didn't think it went well or we might, we might have made a different decision. So I think parents not being on the same page. And then a lot of times parents are rescuing their children and letting them, instead of letting them feel the natural consequences for their behavior. And then we just become nagged. So, you know, we want kids to um, get their folders organized and put their homework back in their bag and, um, you know, remember their flute and their uniform and all these things. And then when they don't, we get a call from school and then we bring it to them. And so we're not letting them feel any of the pain of their problems for not getting their organization together. We're not teaching them any organization and we're actually rewarding them for their disorganization. And so, you know, parents want their kids to be successful. We don't want them to have any consequences, you know. But the thing is, if you can't play in the game that day because you didn't have a uniform, I guarantee you're going to remember to play your uniform and every single day after that. Um, same thing if you get a bad grade because you didn't hand in your homework. That's like a natural consequence that's going to be uncomfortable for you, and you're pretty likely to remember to put your homework in your folder for the next day. So parents are, are very often rescuing their kids when they should be letting them feel a bit of their consequences. Now, what about the public aspect of this here? Because that's something I think that kids know, especially younger kids. They have this this incredible sense of how to work a crowd, and they know they can measure our level of embarrassment and ratchet up their obnoxious behavior so that it goes beyond the produce section of the grocery store, you know, wh- wh- wherever it is that they've thrown themselves down in the middle. So ignoring things is going to be a lot harder in public, at a restaurant yeah. or, you know, someplace else where they know that they can push a little bit further. Absolutely. I mean, kids have our number. They know exactly when we're our most vulnerable, and they use it to their advantage. And so... You know, we don't want a scene. We're afraid of being embarrassed or, you know, we see people being shamed all the time. We see dirty looks and, um, you know, I hear lots of complaints about this parent and that parent. So we all do. So we don't want to be that parent. So we just give in. So a kid starts to whine and complain at the restaurant. We give them our iPhone or iPad or, you know, that we're online at Starbucks running to get a quick coffee. And they start having a scene where, like, fine, here's a cake pop or a cookie or a drink for you and then the kids like great that behavior works so not only that i'll try it more at home too because um you know it works so well here and it just ends up creating a very difficult situation for parents and so even though i think it's not easy you are the one raising your kids you are the one that's going to be with them all the time you're taking them home with you you're responsible for them and so sometimes we end up letting other people determine what how we should parent because we don't want them to look badly upon us but then we're just reinforcing all the behavior we don't want to see so I tell parents to work on ignore it at home first. So your kids know the deal. When you stop rewarding the attention, they're like, it's over. You know, we should just give up. And so then when you're out in public and they start with it and you kind of turn around the other way, they know nothing's coming. And every now and then that means there's going to be a big tantrum in Target. Like, that's just the way it is in the protostyle. And you're just going to stand there and pretend like you're all good. Some people will look at you funny. Some people will be like, yes, right on. I totally get where you're going with this. Mm -hmm. And then when your kid sees nothing comes of it, they're going to start walking and they're going to help you pick out cereal in the next aisle, you know. Um, so you've got to let it go all the way without giving in. So your kid realizes there's no benefit to their behavior. And sometimes in public, that's really, really hard, but it's worth it. Is it worth having a conversation beforehand? If you know, this is one of your child's preferred methods to say, we're going in, just want to make sure everything's okay. If you happen to let go or do something, you know, one of your, one of your things in the store, we're just going to pick up and we're going to leave. Well, I don't like that idea because a lot that's a very um, popular one with parents. 
But the thing is, that actually is a lot of power for a kid. So now he doesn't want to be at the supermarket. He doesn't want to be at his grandparents' boring birthday party or, you know, at the concert for his big brother. Yeah, he wants yeah. to go home, so he's going to act up. So you'll say, if you don't behave, we're going to have to go home, and that's exactly what he wants. But I do think, actually, it is very important to set up our expectations before we go into the concert, before we go into the supermarket, and say, here's what I expect from you. I expect you to stand by my side or be in the cart. I expect for you to help me with the groceries, you know, help me load stuff in the cart. And, you know, if you do a good job and we get in and out by, you know, 2 o'clock, then we'll have time at home for an extra game before dinner or whatever it is. Um, If not, I'm going to ignore you, um, and then you will not have time for a game later. That's it. Um, but I do think a lot of times we don't let our kids know what we expect from them, mm-hmm. and um, and so they don't know what we, what we want, and then we're setting ourselves up for a disappointing experience. Right. Yeah, you've used the word reward a couple times, and I'd like you to, to talk a little bit about the difference between a reward and a bribe. I think people hear one and think that they've heard the other. Yeah, so bribes and rewards, a lot of people associate as the same thing, but they're actually very different. When we are bribing our kids, it's like dealing with a hostages situation or terrorists. Like, they have us, and they know exactly that we're vulnerable, and they're like, you better give me this, or I'm going to misbehave. And it feels bad. We don't feel comfortable about it, but we do it anyway. That's a bribe. A reward is set up in advance. It's not in a moment of a difficult situation, and it's really to help kids encourage them and motivate them to act right about something. So a reward can be anything from um, just time with a parent, a game, a bubble bath. It could be points so that they can buy something on iTunes or a video game system. Or it could be points that get them more time, you know, watching a TV show or something like that. You can be really creative. And I tried to have an exhaustive list in my book of what parents can use as rewards. But rewards are set up in advance. It's very specific what behavior will get a reward. And then when they do the behavior, we give them the reward, even if it's a high five. A bribe is a kid is already misbehaving, and we're desperate, and we say, you need to behave. If you behave, I will give you this lollipop. That's a bribe. It feels uncomfortable. It's really at the child's power. Um, It's not set up in advance, and so that's the major difference. What about things that are behaviors that you are not seeing in your child, something you want your child to do as opposed to something you want them to stop doing? Like you want your child to to do his or her chores without being asked or to be more responsible, to, you know, walk the dog, whatever it is, uh, get homework done without having to be hounded. And that's not the kind of thing you can ignore. If you ignore it, uh, things are not going to get any better. Can you use the ignore it strategy to produce the kind of results you're looking for in that kind of situation? Yeah, so we definitely are going to still give kids chores, and we're still going to have expectations for them. So they still have to keep their room clean. They still have to empty the dishwasher. They still have to complete their homework by a certain time or whatever it is that you want to do as, you know, requirements for living in this house. And I'm not going to ignore it if you choose not to do it. There's going to be a consequence. So you need to empty the dishwasher or there is going to be this consequence. But what I am going to ignore is all of the complaining about it, you know. And a lot of times what happens is kids complain and just please, do I not have to do it? Can I just skip it? Why do I have to do it over and over again? And sometimes parents get so fed up, they just do it themselves, which is exactly what the child wants. Um, so I'm going to ignore all of that. If you don't empty the dishwasher by dinner, your consequences, you're going to have to do the dinner dishes too. So I'm going to ignore the complaining, but you still have to do your chores. So I think that a reward system can help motivate kids to do their chores. 
ignoring a lot of the complaining and whining will let them see I have to do it no matter what, and then instilling a consequence if they don't do it. All right, we have just less than a minute, but I want to ask you this. What about bad habits? Somebody picks their nose or does does something like that. Ignoring that is not going to be a, a particularly effective way of making that go away. But honestly, there isn't any effective way to have that go away. <laughs> if a kid okay. knows that they're going to get a rise out of you every time they say a bad word or stick their finger in their nose, they're going to continue to do it. So the best thing to do is just to ignore it. And a lot of times kids are doing these annoying behaviors without even thinking about it. So every time we're kind of disciplining them, we're kind of ratcheting down their self-esteem. We're kind of knocking it down. We're saying, like, we don't like this behavior, but the kid kind of sees, like, you don't like me because I'm fidgety, you know? And so for me, there's, like, no benefit to um, doing any of those things. You know, if table manners is really important to you, focus on that. But a lot of these little annoyances, you should just let go. Build your relationship and don't worry so much about those things. Catherine Perlman's the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Can Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. Catherine, thanks for joining us. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. As an 18-year-old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school, and I didn't do it. Ten years later, at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey there, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment. You know, summer may be officially ending here fairly soon, but the fun does not have to. And as we head into the last few weeks of the official summer season, there's no excuse for not soaking up every last bit of fun. And we're here to help you do that. Let's start with Water Wubble from Wubble. Water balloon fights are awesome. And who doesn't love one in the heat of the summer? But there's always one person who gets stuck preparing most of the balloons and tying knot after knot after knot. And the post-fight cleanup is never fun for anyone. Well, to avoid the annoyance while keeping up all the enjoyment, check out Water Wubble. It's the newest member of the Wubble family. Water Wubble is easy to fill in the pool, the beach, or with a hose. But the coolest thing about Water Wubble is the reusability. You fill it, it seals beautifully, you throw it at your target, it explodes with a splash, and you repeat as much as you want to. It's for ages 7 and up, $14.99 at Walmart, Target, and Toys R Us, or online from waterwubble.com Bobble Bits from We Cool Looking for some indoor, outdoor fun? Try Bobble Bits It's aimed for girls ages 5 and up but would be fun for anyone and we certainly don't want to pigeonhole anyone by gender It's a squishy molding compound that lets kids create all sorts of unique items and designs that harden overnight Jewelry they can wear or artwork they can show off on the mantle 
There are four different Bobble Bits sets to choose from, including the Bobble Bits Creation Station, which is $29.99, which is the largest and most complete set, and contains six different colored compounds and an assortment of molds, clips, and art tools for designing bling, window clings, keychains, and anything else your little artist can dream of. You can also get kits specific to your child's favorite type of art or creativity. Bobble Bits Too Cool Window Clings, $14.99, a fashion kit, also $14.99, and Bobble Bits Triple Creation Packs, which have three containers of different colored crunchy molding compound. Those are $9.99 each. Pick up whatever works for you and yours. See how it goes. They're for ages 5 and up at many retailers or at buybobblebits.com. Compound King's Fluffy from We Cool. Looking to make a mess? Well, we've got you covered. Compound King's is all about slime, and we've got to admit there's something oddly satisfying about it. Squishy, but with a little poof, this fluffy stuff comes in a wide array of bright colors, and it's ready to use right out of the package. More of a DIY kind of parent. More of a DIY kind of parent? Well, it comes in powder, too. Just add water, and you'll have your very own custom slime in minute. There, the container it comes in doubles as storage, which helps minimize mess afterwards. But don't leave it out. It gets sort of, well, yucky. You can pick them up in single packs, three packs, and in a DIY kit that has 13 different packs of powder and a make-your-own-color compound. There's even glitter and neon. It's for ages 4 and up. Prices start at $2.99 at places like Michael's. You can find reviews of a lot more great toys and games to do with your family at parentsatplay.com. We'll be back next week with another segment for you. Until then, I'm Armin Broad. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.